1: Well, welcome back as we head into hour three. It is a delight to have Brandon Weicker with us. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and coming out next year, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. He's also a columnist at all the important papers from the Washington Times to the Asia Times to America Greatness. And... Um, he is a uh, he is our regular weekly foreign policy and defense policy expert and sometimes a little domestic, too. How are you, Brandon?
2: I am great. How are you?
1: I'm doing just fine, Brandon. Uh, I guess we got to start with the big news here, or at least the big news as as a lot of people see it, which is the passing of uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. Um, yeah. There's something interesting. Can I can I have a little fun with you? Just can I can I give yeah. you, can I give you a little something? uh a little something fun um, from PJ. O'Rourke uh, from some years ago. He, um, he was writing uh, his experience uh, about his experiences uh, watching the Berlin Wall uh, come down. And he said that, you know, whence this notion and all this praise from the media from Mikhail Gorbachev, how is he the hero of the gold War? He's as much a hero of the Cold War as Hirohito was a hero of World War II. Shut up, you flap gums, and celebrate the right person. Now, that was was when the Berlin Wall came down. Today, I'm looking at CNN headline. Mikhail Gorbachev, former Soviet president who took down the Iron Curtain, dies. (laughs) New York Times headline. Mikhail Gorbachev, reformist Soviet leader. Who ended the Cold War? Dead at ninety-one. Washington mm-hmm. Post. Mikhail Gorbachev, last leader of the Soviet Union, responsible for the collapse of the Soviet Union. Dead at ninety-one. Are they not missing someone here in these in these headlines?
2: No, they're doing it purposely. They will never mention Ronald Reagan, the man whose name cannot be mentioned by their lips. Okay. Uh, that's what this is about. Remember, Ronald Reagan was Trump before Trump. Yeah. Uh, You know, he was, now remember, in fact, in some ways he was actually worse because the left had really convinced themselves that he was going to trigger thermonuclear world war, Reagan. They really believed that. And that's what prompted then Senator Joe Biden, along with Senator Ted Kennedy, to beg uh, uh, Gorbachev's immediate predecessors of Andropov, the crazed Soviet leader, uh, and then Chernyenko, please don't nuke us because we have a madman. Not all of us believe right. in the insane right-wing right. agenda that he does. So, um, you know, they'll never give Reagan credit. I mean, just remember one thing. Uh, the great Derek Labor, who is a name people should know, and I'm upset that they don't, he's written some phenomenal books, one of them being The 50-Year Wound. It was required reading in my master's program at the Institute of World Politics, and I think your audience would be well-served by, by getting a copy of this book. They, they have a, He has an entire section in which he talks about just who Gorbachev really was. Now, do I think that Gorbachev, we were lucky that he was more reasonable than, say, Andropov? Yes. I think that's a good thing. Do I think that Gorbachev, if left to his own devices, would have dismantled the Soviet Union? No. no. He was trying to reconstitute it. Right. The thing about Gorbachev is he began his career and spent most of his career under the leadership, working directly for... The KGB leader, Yuri Andropov, who was the mastermind of the slaughter in Hungary, who, as the premier of the Soviet Union after Brezhnev, Andropov tried to initiate a nuclear war during the NATO uh, Able Archer exercises of 1983. Uh, uh, Andropov believed that Reagan was a Christian holy warrior who wanted to start nuclear war, and therefore he believed the Soviet Union should initiate a nuclear war to stop the crazed Reagan. And that was the guy that tutored and mentored uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. During the 60s and 70s, during the Vietnam War, Gorbachev was part of Andropov's mission right. to disseminate anti-American propaganda to the anti-war protesters in the Vietnam War protest, the draft burnings and all the draft card burnings and all that. It was uh, it was uh, Andropov who remarked famously to Gorbachev, "I can't believe it." NBC and ABC are repeating our propaganda yes. without any question. Yes, this is Gorbachev. This yes. is what he was doing. Gorbachev, when he became premier in the 1980s, it wasn't Perestroika that was his first mission. He it was I think it was called Earth screen or Ursokini, which basically meant escalation. Mm-hmm. And so initially, Gorbachev was as fiercely Anti-American and ready to fight the Cold War, as and- the Madman Andropov was his mentor. And a fun little fact, by the way, um, Andropov was also one of uh, uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, beloved mentors. Yes. And, uh, uh, Putin went to the Andropov Institute, which the KGB trading center, and then in 2010. Uh, Putin actually created a cult of personality around the memory of Andropov going so far as to put Andropov's statue in the middle of the Kremlin. And so, you know, Gorbachev was a student of Andropov as well. He was a KGB man as well. So this idea that, that Gorbachev saved the world, both from the Cold War as well as from Madman Reagan, is both a lie and it's and it's an insult to the great memory of Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher and I'm glad that you and PJ O'Rourke apparently are Calling this out for what it is. Well, it, there's a
1: reason we. Uh, I like to quote an old line of Oliver Wendell Holmes. He says, a page of history is worth a volume of logic. And, you know, these papers can try and rewrite history all they want. I'm glad you took us down the right path here. But I also remember kind of a big, important summit circa 1986 in Reykjavik, Iceland, yeah. Uh, Reagan walked out on Gorbachev, not the other way around, because Gorbachev right. demanded that Reagan abandoned the strategic defense initiative. If, you you right. know this history probably better than anyone in the United States of America. And yeah. everyone in the newspaper, everyone in the journalistic world thought this was irresponsible of Reagan. What it did was it brought Gorbachev back. It brought Gorbachev back to the negotiating table. That's Gorbachev right. didn't walk out on Reagan, making Reagan uh, approach him. He made Gorbachev approach the United States.
2: That's right. That's right. And, and, and it made what the Reagan presidency did was it not, you know, so the great Bob Wood, who, you know, is old now, but I love Bob. He's a naval war college guy. And he was an advisor to Reagan. And he loves to tell this story. It's one of my favorites. And he said that he was briefing Reagan in the 1980s or first term about Soviet naval buildup and what they were doing. And him and his team from the Naval War College were getting into the details. And he said, Reagan sat there chom- chomping on jelly beans. And he said, after about, you know, an hour of the briefing, here's Bob Wood with his Ph.D. He went to Stanford, and he has his Ph.D. from Yale and Harvard, and he's an educator. And he said he was getting annoyed because he didn't think the, the president was listening. And finally, he said the president kind of wrapped his knuckles on the, the, the table in the Roosevelt Room. And he said, well, Bob i got to tell you, if you ask me, the Soviet Union is one big Mickey Mouse operation. He said they do a lot of movement, but there's not a lot of substance there. And Mm. if you ask me, in about two to four years, they're not going to be around anymore. And that's how he ended the meeting. And and Bob told me, he said, everybody, all these PhDs from the Naval War College are like, what the heck was that? And he said, sure enough, not long thereafter, all the PhDs in the room, are proven wrong yeah. when this, the Berlin Wall is hitting them in the head that's with right. the bricks that that's are being right. torn down. That's right. And Reagan has the last laugh. That's exactly. That wasn't right. Gorbachev. That that's, was it. what Gorbachev did was he couldn't fight anymore, and so he became a pragmatist and said, "Okay, I can't compete with the Americans. Maybe I can get them to give me enough space, where I can cool things down and maybe get my internal system going." He wanted Gorbachev wanted to do what Deng Xiaoping did in China. Save the Communist Party by becoming state capitalist. The problem for Gorbachev was it was too little time left and not enough money for him to do that. And that was the real thing. Gorbachev was not trying to end the Soviet Union. He was trying to perpetuate it. That's what he was doing. He was an enemy of the state as much as Andropov or Stalin even was. And thank God for Reagan. Thank God.
1: Well done, Brandon. You know, you reminded me of another story, too, which is largely forgotten by uh, the current press and the current analysts, which is um, we're going to break. Maybe we can pick up on this on the other side. But it's that, you know, what Ronald Reagan did keep talking uh, through his tenure about how the Soviet Union would end up the ash heap of history that its final pages were being written and people told him to shut up people told him to stop saying that people even i mean republicans the kissinger world they were telling him i don't think the soviet union's coming to a close anytime soon we need to learn to accommodate and reagan said no we need to learn to defeat let me take a quick break i'll come back with you brandon we've got a lot more to cover i'm seth Liebsen. he's brandon weikert follow him on twitter at we the brandon Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. Y-Refi is offering up a fixed no-load interest rate, up to ten and quarter percent return for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. These are investors who do really well by doing good for others, and you can be a part of it too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest the letter Y, -Y R-E-F-Y.com, or you can call them at 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at WeTheBrandon, or you can go to The Weikert Report, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, TheWeikertReport.com. Brandon, can I share one more fun uh, story about Reagan and negotiating with the Soviet Union that I think you'll appreciate? You may already know it. But it was a a Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing uh, in uh, 1984, going into the election year. And Secretary of State George Sultz was testifying. And the chairman of the committee, a forgotten name to a lot of people, not to me, uh, was uh, the committee chairman was Paul Songus, senator from Massachusetts. Yeah. And he said to Secretary Schultz, he said, do you realize you will be the first administration since the since the end of World War Two that has not had a president to president summit with the leader of the Soviet Union? <laughs> and George Schultz looked up at him and he said, so be it. That's all he said. <laughs> so be it. Like these people were so wedded to this traditional diplomacy yes. that kept the war going and going and going. And Reagan, and thank God with Schultz and Gene Kirkpatrick and a handful of others, they just thought, you know, there's another way of doing this. And it's not getting along with them and continuing this Cold War. It's ending it. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it just shows you how. Utterly wedded, not just to this ideology, we talked about this last time I was on, about the pro- or friendly-to-communist kind of ideology that pervades our Washington elite. That's right. Uh, But it also shows you how wedded to uh, mindless traditions that our foreign policy... Uh, leaders become, you know, enshrined in or ensconced in. You have to do this it idea. this way, right? You, you ha- have to do it because, this way. No. Just because it's how it was done before. Right. Well, what they seem to forget is that until until FDR came along, um, both Democratic and Republican Party presidents refused to recognize the regime in the Soviet Union, that it was Woodrow Wilson who sent troops during World War One to invade uh, uh, Russia to fight on the side of both the pro-Czarist White Army to stop the Bolsheviks from taking there over. Democrat Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. They seem to forget that it was the Palmer Raids yeah. under Woodrow Wilson yeah. that went after any suspected communist element. That's right. Uh, long before Joseph McCarthy was even known to anybody. That's right. Decades before. That's right. So this was, if anything. The idea of president-to-president talks between the Soviet leadership and the American leadership, that was the anathema. Because originally, Democrat and Republican leaders, from Woodrow Wilson all the way through the two Republicans, Harding and Coolidge, as well as Hoover, all the way to FDR for four presidencies almost, both Democrats and Republicans not only refused to meet with the Soviets, but they didn't recognize them as a legitimate regime, which of course they weren't. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right, Brandon. Um, in conclusion, on this topic, we're doing
2: the same thing with Iran.
1: I was going to move us there. Yeah, you you read my mind, uh, or you set it up beautifully before we <laughs> we before we move there. There, just one last thought: Would it be fair to summarize it this way? Would it be fair to summarize that, as you put it, uh, Gorbachev was more amenable? to 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 working with the United States than his predecessors, but it's because Ronald Reagan made him more amenable. That is to say he realized he had to change. Ronald Reagan changed Gorbachev. Gorbachev didn't change Ronald Reagan. Yes. Okay.
2: Yes, yes. And every Gorbasm that the left had whenever he showed up, what Rush Limbaugh used to call it Gorbasm. Yeah. Was so disturbing and grotesque that we should never forget the names of the Democrats who are still around in power, like our current president, who fawned over Gorbachev, the leader of the most evil totalitarian state, who, by the way, under his regime, they were imprisoning people in the gulags, They were torturing people. They were rounding up anybody who they suspected of being a dissident. This was not a snuggy Bear kind of a guy. This guy was an evil enemy of the state. Just like all the other Soviet leaders, just like the Iranian leadership, the Iranian leadership, which may be Islamist, but the Islamist sort of uh, build up or the, the, the way that they, they run and they manage and form their regime is predicated on Bolshevik lines. And so it's the same thing repeating over and over again. And we should really be looking at the people who were having those gorbasms, who are still around today going, What's wrong with you? Yeah. What happened to you? Yeah. Because this isn't how we act as Americans.
1: That's nicely put. Um, There was the efforts of Ted Kennedy to go over and 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 tell them that that uh, they shouldn't ease up uh, on their plans because they were going to make sure that Ronald Reagan wouldn't be reelected. Part and parcel of that crew would include John Kerry, as you say. Yes, Joe Biden. He was at the Foreign Relations Committee. Yes, all these Democrats should be remembered for getting this wrong. They got it wrong, and they're getting it wrong again. Well, it was again. more than wrong. Yeah. It, was,
2: it was malicious. And they malicious. Were, they, accused, they accused Trump of using his, you know, Russia to beat political enemies, whether it's Hitler, Hillary or some other Democrat. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize is, the Democrats did this, for, and I don't even think Trump was doing that, but the Democrats legitimately were trying to get the Soviets and were using Soviet propaganda to bludgeon their domestic enemies, the Republican Party, for 50 years. Yep. They would rather do business with the Soviets and appeal to the Soviets' supposed humanity rather than just meet with the Republicans and negotiate a balanced budget. So, you know, I have no patience with Democrats. This has been constant with them. For decades. It doesn't matter the regime. That's it's right. the same thing over and over again.
1: That's exactly right. And they learn nothing unless one wonders if it's deliberate or if it's just hope
2: you got to think you got to
1: think yep. you don't know if they're just hoping and hewing to an ideology and idea fix they can't get uh they can't uh, relieve themselves of or if it's somewhat you know if it if it's somewhat deliberate so when we come back from the break let's do an update on where we are with the iranian negotiations i'd Let- also
2: like to talk about space briefly yeah, well yeah 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 we have back. to do space yeah.
1: as well uh yeah. Gosh, we have a lot. We'll get it done. I'm Seth and okay. He's Brandon Weicker. Don't go away. We'll be right back. As I go to break, let me put in a word for our sponsors at Balance of Nature. Great product. I take it every day. Have been doing it for years. 100% natural. 100% pure, potent plant power. 16 whole v- fruits, 15 whole vegetables in one daily dose. You can get it yourselves at balanceofnature.com. Just make sure to use discount code balance welcome back to the seth leapson show i'm seth brandon j weikert is our guest he's the author of winning space how america remains a superpower and his most recent book just coming out the shadow war iran's quest for supremacy i want to talk to you a little bit about iran brandon uh before we get there though Give us an update on uh, space. You said you had to give us an update on, on, on what's going on with our space.
2: Yes. So I was just, before, like 10 minutes before we talked, I was speaking with uh, a, a reporter from the uh, Voice of America's Mandarin uh, uh, publication. And she wanted to talk to me about this new report that came out uh, called the State of the Space Industrial Base. came out Wednesday, last week. Uh, in which they basically, it's as if they read my book. Of course, they didn't give me credit. Um, but, you, you know, that is the slight of uh, being me, I guess, because I'm pro Trump. They won't ever give me credit. Uh, but so they, they called, they, they warned that in the next decade, the United States will lose the space race with China unless we can develop what they're calling a, quote, North Star Grand Strategy. Uh, warning that without a greater sense of urgency, America could lose its strategic and technological edge over China by 2032, and that the fundamental tonic, and I'm quoting, is to mobilize still greater energies with an enlarged vision and broader set of policy as the U.S. did in 1962. Now, that's all well and good, but when you read the report, there is nothing visionary about it. It is all small ball. And so what I was telling this reporter and what I will tell your audience, because this is going to be getting published in the next 24 hours, what I said, uh, basically, uh, the United States is incapable of grand strategic thought. We now are living in a world where we have real competitors at the strategic level who do have grand strategic thought, who are not encumbered uh, by the same kind of idiotic ideologies that you and I were just talking about before the break and who very much want to defeat the United States. And they recognize that defeating the United States in space may be a way they can defeat the United States totally on Earth without ever having to really fire a direct shot at us and kill Americans, which might precipitate a larger response from us. And so, what I said to her, what I'm saying to you, what I say in the book, Winning Space, is we definitely need a strategy, and it can be summed up in two words. Ironically, the two words, I was forbidden using with the government after Joe Biden was elected when I talked to the government they asked me don't use this term the term is space dominance mm. that's what we should be working on and That's what the Chinese that's their term too they use that and yet we're not allowed to use it and in this report you read it and we are gonna lose because we're being led by losers and it's and it's ugly and it's sad and it's downright pathetic and we better start taking space seriously because as Trotsky said of war you may not be interested in space, but I can assure you, space is very interested in you.
1: There you go. I I, I use a version of that as well. But this is an incredible concept of uh, of from that tells you almost everything you need to know about this administration. We cannot speak of dominance. Uh, what what do they yeah. what do they what do they want? Space equity? Uh, is there some kind of uh, environmental space racism exactly that we're it. trying to address here?
2: No. So let me tell you what I was told at a talk. This was with the Air Force about eight months ago in D.C. Um, they love the talk. And then if there's a, at the, basically when I give the talk, they fill out a form saying what they liked and didn't like, and then they give it to the guy who organizes it. One of the things that one of and I think I know who it was, it was a colonel, uh, a, a woman, uh, uh, she wrote way too uh, heteronormative, this talk about space dominance. Way too heteronormative, stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's what we're dealing with. <laughs> oh, God, that's, Brandon. That's our <laughs> oh this my person, goodness! Gracious. This is the person who's going to be promoted to brigadier general because that's who I speak to. Are people either who've been promoted or who are about to be promoted? That's <laughs> what that's what we're dealing with, and and we think we're going to beat these people, the Chinese, the government of China. When the Chinese, did you see this report saying that uh, in China they're teaching their kids calculus in seventh grade? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How are we going to beat these people?
1: Yeah. My old boss, Bill Bennett, said if you want to understand the difference between how they do math in China and how we do math here, it's this simple. They study math in China, and we study how we feel about math in America.
2: That's right. That's right. And it's getting worse.
1: And it's getting worse. Yeah, that was 1987. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. right. right. All right. Let me hit a quick break. We'll come back on Iran. I am Seth and He is Brandon Weicker and his book right on topic. The shadow war Iran's quest for supremacy. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to have with us Brandon Weikert. Brandon J. Weikert is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. He is the author of The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for supremacy, Iran is in the headlines all over the place, Brandon. But the headline that's not getting, uh, I think, enough play is that we're about to engage in a process that <laughs> could give as much as a hundred billion dollars to this regime. Yeah. I don't know what headline to start it's just with. Just the start. Yeah, just that's the just start. the start. U.S. Navy prevents Iranian attempt to capture American maritime drone in Persian Gulf. Um, we could talk about the passel of assassination attempts that have just been uncovered that Iran, ha- uh, Iran's, uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps has been trying to exact, uh, on everyone from John, John Bolton to, uh, certainly Salman Rushdie to, uh, uh, um, uh President uh, uh, Trump, uh, President well, Trump, al Uh, we could go down the list of, of several other people. But Brandon, what the heck?
2: Yeah. So on the one hand, I just want to say in a perverse way, thank you to the mad mullahs of Iran, because by getting in the news, you're helping to promote my book. Yep. So in that way, you know, we could all kind of have a nice thing about that. You, you will uh, have the I'm, most
1: current up to date and relevant book on Iran within about two weeks.
2: I really appreciate that. You bet. It, it's been, believe me, it's been a tough process because I'm constantly having to update and I'm driving the editors nuts <laughs> uh, because there's all this news coming out. And I'm like, we've got to keep it up to date. Uh, But there's no more uh, edits allowed to it. It's coming out October 18th, as you know. The point uh, that I'm making in the book that I'll make here is that Iran is the closest thing to, it's like a mini version of Hitler's Germany, a mini version of the Soviet Union. Uh, It is playing the same game, and we are responding, actually we're responding the same way we did to the Soviets as I was talking to you about before the break. We are talking about recognizing this lunatic regime, and it is a lunatic regime, and that's not going to stop the threat. It's not going to ameliorate or mitigate it. It's going to exacerbate it, because now you're going to see them in Iran think it's open season now. The Americans won't stop us. It, it's a license, just as the Taliban, when we pulled out of Afghanistan. Happy anniversary, by the way. Yeah. When we pulled out of Afghanistan, the Taliban took that as a license to run roughshod over any group that they that we supported, no matter how inconsequential, mm. that was that was the same logic. Only now it's being applied on a wider scale. And let's look at this one story point uh, that came out about 48 hours ago in Bloomberg. Um, and of course, this is why the deal is happening. Why, why Biden wants to do this nuclear deal. Um, the Iranians said, "Hey, Mister Biden, if you give us the nuclear deal back, which we know is not in your interest." We're going to flood the market to pay you back. We'll flood the oil market with 93 million barrels of oil on tap that's just waiting to go out. And that's going to drive the price of oil about two months before this critical midterm election of yours. And it might actually swing the midterm election for you and your your party and set you up – to have a real shot, your party, of getting not only holding on to power, but maybe even getting power in the next two years because you're going to remove a key talking point of the hated Trump Republican Party, which is that under you the gas of prices spiked and the economy's horrible. And so Biden, of course, is going to do this deal. He's got to do this deal. Here's another example of now the Democrats doing what they accused Trump of doing with Russia. Now they're doing it with Iran. They're using foreign policy as a political tool to go against their domestic political rivals in a critical time. And shame on them, because this is going to have long-lasting consequences. It's going to completely rewrite the internet, the, the international, certainly, but definitely the regional order. And it's going to make us weaker, not stronger, at a time when America's at its weakest that it has been, probably in 80 years. Mm. And this is the, it's precipitating the larger issue, which, in my opinion, is right around the corner—World War III—and I'm not afraid to say it. And I realize you can't say that because it's supposedly crazy. That this kind of weakness, this is what's going to lead to the third world war, and it's going to be against—it's going to be against Iran, China, and Russia. Mark my words.
1: I mark them. I take it seriously, uh, Brandon. Let me um, raise this question with you before we get into anything else. We haven't talked about this element in a long time. People go back and forth over the various presidents in Iran over the last uh, over the last several years. Uh, they have uh, President Abraham Raisi right now. Most of that, I'm, I'm asking, yeah, uh, but most of it is irrelevant because, isn't it? The regime called the regime is called by Khamenei, right? I mean, they they, yeah. they defer to him. He's the one calling the shots.
2: Yeah, and his council of insane mullahs. Mm-hmm. Yes, who? Yeah. And this is all, you know, it's all a pantomime. Uh, this whole thing is just going through the motions. Uh, and, and, you know, we're stupid enough, in, in this, our leaders are, to believe that there's really anything to this idea of an Islamic democracy. Uh, I hate to tell you, the Islamic Republic is a sham in the same way that the People's Republic of China is a sham. Right. It's a handful of elites who are ideologues who hate America, who want to blow up the region and reset it, in this case, they want to, you know, get their preferred narrative of Islam as the dominant one, with themselves as the kingmaker of the region. And they're willing to risk nuclear war with us because they don't fear us. They're not afraid of us. They don't care. They will go all the way. They'll go right up to that line, and they're so crazy crazy. They might step over that line, and then we got a big problem because we're no longer in a position where we can take on Russia and we can stand up to Iran and hold back China. It's going to have to be one or the other, and I'm very fearful of this moment in our history.
1: There is one possible silver lining uh, approaching, which is if this Iran deal goes to Congress the way it should – there's a very good likelihood that this Congress will have a very hard time signing off on it, wouldn't you say? Or, or do you they'll, think I'm too they'll optimistic? They'll sign off on it. Yeah? They'll sign off, they'll on, sign it. off on it.
2: They got, they got Bob Corker to suddenly go from Tea Party Darling in 2015 <laughs> to Gaga <laughs> over the nuclear deal that Obama did. If they can get Bob Corker to flip yeah. like that, they're going to they're gonna get any congressman or woman they want to flip. I, they, I have no faith in our Congress, either party, having the gumption to stand up and say, we don't care about lowering the oil price this way because it's going to give Iran more leverage over us. And we don't care about our domestic political victory as a Democratic party. We're going to, we want to do what's right for the country. And the Republicans are so whiplash right now, they're useless. And so I have no faith. And by the way, as we talked about before, there is a very grotesque trend on our side of anti-Israel thinkers uh, who want to basically see Iran take over the region to punish the Sunnis and to put Israel in its place. And, and that, so I have no faith in either party having the courage or the vision to see this for what it is. This is, this is Munich, 1939. That's what this is. You
1: make a good point about that last part too, Brandon. Um, because in a way, there's, there's, there's this antagonism towards quote-unquote neoconservative policy or neoconservative foreign policy, I should say. And in some respects, elements of our movement that oppose it, right though they might be, they tend to go a little too far, and some of that opposition tends to be pro-Iranian as it tends to be pro-Putin. Let me let me take this quick commercial break, and we'll finish up yeah. with a last thought on the other side. I'm Seth. He's Brandon. We'll be right back. want to thank Brandon Weikert for being with us this hour. We could do another hour all together. When uh, Ronald Reagan was elected president, Jean Kirkpatrick gave a speech where she said, you know, for too many years, America has had a kick me sign on our on its back. And Ronald Reagan intends to take it down. And I intend to help him. Brandon, man, you know, I'm just looking around. I see now even the Solomon Islands is pushing us around. Um, Concluding thoughts.
2: Yeah. So basically, whether it's Iran, whether it's Russia, China, whether it's our allies like Saudi Arabia or even tiny Solomon Islands, nobody respects us anymore. And that's because of the political ideologies that are dominating our politics at home, yeah. whether it's the extreme leftism of the Democrats and Biden or whether it's even some of the, uh, shall we say, blame America first, right wing. Yeah. The paleoconservatives notably. Yeah. Nobody respects us because they think that A, we're super divided. And B, they think that we're weak, and then weakness it, it, it gets everyone to pile on. They want us to be strong. They're like teenagers. When you're with teenagers and you're raising them or you're teaching them, you've got to create boundaries and be consistent and disciplined because ultimately that's what they really want. They don't want you to be their friend. So all these countries out there, they think we're weak because we won't enforce norms and we won't be consistent. And all we need is a change in leadership, and I mean this in both parties, And we can get back to where we were 30, 40 years ago under Reagan. It would not be hard. And the Solomon Islands is just another example. They're letting the Chinese buy up their territory, and then they're denying us access to refuel our ships there, even though we liberated that island in the World War II against the Japanese, and we lost a lot of young men doing that. And the same government that owes us everything is selling us out and themselves In order to get China, because they think that China is stronger and that they'll be there more and that they're going to if they don't keep China happy, that China will punish them. Whereas with us, if they don't keep us happy, we'll come to them with hat in hand, groveling, or we'll have President Alzheimer's running around the place, forgetting where he is and more focused on attacking Republicans rather than
1: going after the real threat yeah the real fascist <laughs> it's not the semi-fascist
2: the real right exactly
1: <laughs> brandon you are the best i i thank you uh you were worth the wait we usually have you on mondays it's <laughs> delightful to have you today thank and you. Uh, we will talk to you uh next week actually we may have to change yes, it because sir. of the holiday but we'll figure something out we'll get yeah. you on you OK, betcha. God all bless right. you, folks. All you want later. his book. You want to go on uh, any of your online bookstore uh, booksellers right now and get the Shadow War Pre-order it. It'll be coming out in about a month. The Shadow War, Iran's quest for supremacy. You want to understand what's going on. You want to read Brandon. You want to know what the headlines will be in about two, three, four months. Read Brandon. I'm Seth Liebson until tomorrow. God bless you all. And class dismissed.